0: Episode of the Business and Practice podcast, where we focus on the financial and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, Caitlin DeWilde, DVM, is going to talk to us about veterinary social marketing 101. Dr. DeWilde founded the Social DVM in 2013 when she saw the untapped potential of veterinarians to easily and affordably connect with their clients through social media. The Social DVM is the veterinary industry's only DVM-owned and founded social media consulting firm. Dr. DeWild and her team of veterinary professionals work with individual veterinarians, veterinary practices of all sizes, and national industry groups to help craft creative, unique, and effective marketing strategies. Dr. DeWild has served as president for the Greater St. Louis Veterinary Medical Association, and she currently sits on the Missouri Veterinary Medical Foundation board. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Decor Veterinary Products. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. DeWile. Thank
1: you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: I am very excited for you to be here because it isn't often that we have a topic where veterinarians can use something that doesn't really cost them a lot of time and money, but can really help their bottom line. Oh, did you, I think you just recorded something
1: for me. I'm going to use <laughs> that. That's a perfect way to say it. I, I of course agree, but uh, you know, we get some pushback sometimes, but I, I wholeheartedly agree that I think it's a tool that can really help uh, not only uh, clients, but veterinary teams. And of course, vets at the end of the day. So,
0: okay. So why is social media such a great marketing tool for equine veterinarians?
1: I think, I think it's a great tool because it's, like you mentioned, it really doesn't cost anything in terms of an initial upfront investment, right? It doesn't cost you anything to download the app, and all of us have a smartphone in our pocket, and we all have computers somewhere in the, in the truck, in the practice, at home. Um, so there's really not a lot of equipment to start up with. There's no contracts that you have to do anything But you can, if you have any kind of uh, tech savvy, or even if you're not, it's pretty user-friendly, right, to use some of these platforms. I think especially, you know, for veterinarians, no matter what species you treat, it's a much easier game than, think about like an accountant trying to be on Facebook or Instagram. Like, how boring would those pictures be, right? <laughs> look at the sweet tax return I prepared today. Yeah. Like nobody gets to do that, but we're like, look at this beautiful horse, like in like you were just telling me about your your area in Wyoming where there's mountains in the background and beautiful field of uh gosh, I don't even know what kind of plants they grow out there but you a lot know of just, actually <laughs> okay, a lot of sagebrush maybe not the most beautiful thing but you got a pasture for of horses in the background like that's that's a beautiful picture right and so we can really connect with our clients because they that that's a common ground that's a common interest it's a common passion right so social media facilitates that connection before there's any actual communication at all and then if we think about it, using it from our business, like, wow, what a what an opportunity, right? We can we can share updates, we can share information, we can give them tools to do business with us, right? Book now, shop now, like order this, call us, like all in one place, right? And even, you know, I, I give the example all the time, you know, if, if equine vets and large animal vets, you're operating out of a truck, right? <laughs> like a lot of the time. And you don't want a lot of extra equipment and you don't want to have to be calling the office to get information. You can access everything you need to in one place. So I think it's a, a, obviously I'm a little, little biased, but I think social media is a good tool.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, I, I have, of course, a lot of veterinarians are friends and you have a lot of clients and colleagues. So I'm going to go through some of the most common pushbacks for sure. veterinarians who don't want to get on social media and let you address those and maybe calm some of the fears or anxiousness so Absolutely. first is i don't have time yeah it and that's that's
1: the biggest one and i understand that and honestly if anyone's listening at some at some point it's okay to say that and to step away so i just want to like start with that right because some point, some points you, you don't have time, right? And their patient care always has to come first. Uh, you know, the business has to be on there. Of course, our own mental s- stability and well-being has got to come even pretty high up there as well, right? So it's okay to not have time to do it every day. And there's a lot of pressure. A lot of people see these influencers, or even in our own industry, we see people, you log on to Instagram or, or Facebook, and you see just like dozens and dozens of posts and videos and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't possibly compete with that. And you're right. Like sometimes you can't, but you have to remember that your audience is not all those other people that you see doing it all the time. You don't have to do it all the time. Your audience is your clients, right? Unless you're trying to become a like social media superstar, you don't need to post like that, right? But you do need to post enough to cultivate that relationship with the audience that you want. So, I think number 1 it's knowing that, right? It's knowing that it's okay to not do it every day and that it's okay to not be, you know, streaming literally every minute of your your job, right? Um and it's it's hard to do that <laughs> anyway, especially as an equine or a large animal vet. Believe me, I've I've tried a lot of very creative like wrapping things to gates like to make terrible tripods and it's it's hard to do right but that said um once you know your why why are you doing it to begin with like what is the goal of using it and then number two knowing your audience it makes it much easier to 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 decide okay how often do I need to post and what do I need to post about once you've crossed those things off you can move on right you don't have to just keep snapping pictures and streaming live video. Like that doesn't have to happen. If, if you're still worried about time, there's a lot of safe, a lot of, I don't want to say safeguards, but there's a lot of tools that can help you. You know, I think it's really important to realize you could have like a key day where you're, you've got a lot of time or you've got some great cases, take pictures, you can schedule that stuff out. And truthfully, I think that's much more efficient. So if every day you're like, I got to post something today. What can I post? And you're just like randomly looking around for something to take a picture of. That's not a good strategy and it's not going to work well. But if one day you happen to have a lot of cool cases, a lot of beautiful scenery, maybe some extra time, store that stuff, right? (laughs) And then sit down when you do have time and schedule that content out. So it's not... The pressure to do that. If you got somebody with you, it doesn't have to always be the vet, right? It can be the technician. It can be somebody else on your team. Divide and conquer, right? So I really think for most practices, it actually works better to have kind of a social media team, right? So and, and sit down, make, if you're going to make social media priority, sit down for 30 minutes once a month and say, what are our goals this month? What do we need to talk about what do we want to talk about? And let's look at what what we did last month. Did any of that work and help us achieve our goals? If it did, great, right? So that doesn't have to be a ton of time. That can be 30 minutes. But then you can say, great. Okay, person A, you're gonna, you're in charge of this. Person B, you do this. Person C, you do this, right? Um, if you've got that that number of people on your team, that's great. And I think dividing and conquering is one strategy. Another strategy is taking turns right? Maybe you don't want to divide it like, oh, you know, Dr. So-and-so only talks about full care and Dr. So-and-so only talks about parasite prevention. Maybe you don't want to divide it that way. Maybe you even divide it by weeks. I, I work with some practices that they say Dr. A is responsible for, uh, you know, and, and technician A, you know, like it doesn't, their team first week of the month, the next team does the second week of the month. So it's not as much pressure you only have to think about it you know a couple couple times and a final strategy for for the time thing is um, I mean I could talk about managing your time on social media not getting going down the rabbit hole like that's a whole nother like discussion I mean we'll get into that but from just a you know I talked about like building and stockpiling some of that content up sometimes I find it better to also make some reusable content, right? So let's say you're gonna do some videos or photos of some common topics that are of interest to your audience, right? Let's talk about full care, let's talk about hay, let's talk about shoeing, let's talk about, you know, all of those kind of things, right? Um, the vaccines and the parasite prevention that you're using and that's gonna be very specific to your area, right? But come in on a, on a Sunday with a tech, with some animals that you know are not gonna be jerks, <laughs> right? Usually your own <laughs> or even do it at your own farm, right? And just knock it out. Like we do that at my own practice. Of course, I'm not an equine vet. Um, I grew up as a uh, working with horses and beef cattle is actually my background, <laughs> but I, I we talked about that. I'm already a, a small town person stuck in a city at the moment. So even at our small animal practice, we, we do it once a year, like three of us will come in on a Sunday for two and a half hours and we knock out 15 videos and photos and then we've got them for, for later. So probably this time of year is not a great time to do that, <laughs> but maybe in the winter, like plan ahead <laughs> for that next year. But I think that's a, a good strategy to kind of save some some time and, and make it less pressure from a time front.
0: And, and I want the vets to hear what you said. You can reuse this great evergreen content. Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, and even if you're thinking about not photos and videos, let's let's talk about just like graphics, right? Like making. Maybe you're really into making your own graphics, your infographics, or just like a Merry Christmas post, right? That has your clinic logo on it. No one will remember that you shared the same picture last year, right? When you think about posting on Facebook and Instagram, on Facebook, about 30% of your audience will see what you post at any given time. If you put some money behind it, maybe 50%, which is still could be a lot of people. So I don't want to say it's not worth doing. Sometimes people hear 30% and they're like, eh. 30% of your client base could be a, a large chunk of people. But the point is the idea that that person, that 30%, maybe up to 50%, is going to remember something a year later is is a joke, right? Like, that's not going to happen. So honestly, for my practice, we have our posts scheduled sometimes up to a year in advance because we, over the years, have built those posts. Like, we already know we're going to post a Merry Christmas or a, you know, Happy Halloween or a Happy New Year, Happy Fourth of July. You already know those days are happening, right? Like, so when it was slower, we did spend the time to go ahead and put those out there so we don't have to worry about them. Same thing, we already know we're going to post like a, we're closed like two days before every holiday because we want people to remember like, come and get your, (laughs) come and get any meds you need or like be aware or, you know, those kinds of things. We already know those things are happening and we use them. Over and over again. Uh, in my land of small animal, we post a heartworm and and flea and tick reminder on the first of every month. It's the same graphic. Ever it's It's the same graphic per year. So we do a different graphic each month, but we've used them now four years in a row. <laughs> so
0: don't reinvent the wheel. That's a big time saver for sure. Okay. So here's excuse number two. I am not social media savvy.
1: Yeah, I get that one a lot. And that's okay. There's, I want to make that clear from a like work life and like happiness balance. It's kind of okay, right? To, to be that one. I'm not judging you in any way. Um, if you're not social media savvy, it doesn't mean you can't be on social media. Right. Number one, the platforms are very easy. Uh, they're very user friendly. My 85 year old grandmother is on Facebook. If she can do it, so can you. Secondly, let's say you're not savvy because you don't want to be. Again, totally okay. Someone on your team is. I guarantee it. Someone on your team loves it. And, you know, a lot of people want to like default to the, oh, it's the high school kids or the, you know, the college intern or what. It doesn't have to be. The, again, they're, especially Facebook transcends all generations. Someone on your team is very experienced at doing it. And honestly, that can be another time saver. Let's say the vet is the one who gets the photos and the video, maybe the tech, but they give it all to somebody else on their team to do the the dirty work of writing the caption and posting it. And that's okay. So just find that person who is on your team that wants to help with this. And they might find it like a nice task to do. (laughs) Well,
0: and just, I'm going to give you a plug. The reason you started a business with this is because there's a lot of vets who don't either have the person or mm-hmm. the skills to do it. So there are other ways that you can do it outside sure. of your own practice.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm a big believer, you know, when I started started my business, I thought, oh, I'll just do social media for vets. I will take care of it and I will do it for them. And then I realized it kind of sucks, right? I, I couldn't do a good job because I'm not you and I'm not there and I don't know what's going on with your geographic area and your clientele and your culture. It's almost impossible to do a good job. Now you can outsource the easy stuff, right? You like the holiday stuff. You already know, right? You're gonna be closed those days and you wanna do those graphics. And maybe you know specific things about, you know, I want to share articles about laminitis, I want to share articles about, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever that can be outsourced but the bulk of what really is effective is going to be the content that shows your team and shows your people and shows your patients and that has to come from someone on the ground now if somebody's not there uh, that to do it or somebody doesn't know that's what kind of how my business has shifted to now let me train those people so they do know right let's let's do some classes some very basic up to like super advanced But let's get somebody in your hospital able to handle this. Because I do, I'm really passionate about that, that I really feel like it's best done by somebody on your team. Because really, at the end of the day, all of us have the same stuff, right? We all have the same degree, unless you went to Penn. Sorry, Penn vets. (laughs) But we all have the same degree. We all have the same access to to drugs and knowledge and CE and distributor. It's all the same, right? The only thing that's different is how... Our people are and how we treat our patients and that's what sets us apart from the competition so finding somebody that can tell that story is really important
0: okay so let's go to the next concern that that veteran have I am worried about negative comments on social media
1: yeah that's a big one and and I'm gonna you know I'll I'll give you kind of just the first want to that which is They're coming right there's a lot of jerks out in the world and I don't care if they're online or in person there's jerks in the world that that's. That's how they have fun I guess I don't know so you're going to get comments that are negative you're going to get comments that are undeserved I tell that students that all the time you're going to in your career get at least two bad reviews. And of those reviews, one of them is going to come out of left field and be like, this is totally not a client. This is totally not something that ever happened. You know, it's going to be completely undeserved. But that's just the way of the world. But the second kind of review is going to suck because it's going to be true. And it's going to be you you can't please everybody. You can't deliver 100% every day. Right. So we all make mistakes. And we all are in a world where, you know, sometimes bad things happen, right? And so those reviews are coming. Now the problem with that is if you stick your head in the sand and think that's never happening, number one, it's going to happen. Number two, if you do nothing about it, you're not, if you're not trying to elicit positive reviews, that one bad review is gonna sting a hundred times worse. Think about it like when you when you buy things on Amazon right? If you see something is four and a half stars and has 8,000 reviews, you're going to be like, that's pretty good, right? Like, I'll buy that. Like, that's if you're already on the fence, you know, thinking about it. And now you're like, four and a half is pretty good. Well, it's four and a half. It's not five, right? Because not everybody's going to give you that five. But when you have hundreds of people that say, yeah, they're awesome. Your, your ratio is still gonna be good, right? But if you have no reviews, cause you've tried to pretend like it's not gonna happen, yeah. you're gonna have one bad review. And then now you have, a, you have a one star, right? On Google or a one star on Facebook. If you could, and a lot of us, you know, a lot of probably um, people that are listening are in smaller communities. So You're not gonna get 8,000. If you could get 50 good reviews though, when you get one, your rating is not good, one bad one. Your rating is not going to change. So I think a couple things to note here. So number one, if you're really worried about comments specifically, so there's kind of two, two areas there, comments versus reviews. If you're worried about comments on Instagram or Facebook, remember a few things. Number one, you can disable that feature if you want. If you don't want to worry about it, go ahead, turn them off. Um, you might miss some really good ones, though. But a comment is not going to be seen by very many people right and it's going to it's going to be old news two days later when that post gets replaced by something else right it's not in the feed anymore who cares number two even if they leave a bad comment you can delete it or hide it as the page owner okay so if you're open to leaving it up and you get a bad one no problem turn them off (laughs) or hide it right so as far as reviews go though A lot of people say, I don't want to deal with social media because I don't want to deal with reviews. Here's some really bad news for you. Even if you think you are outwitting the system by like not having Google reviews or Facebook reviews or a Yelp page, bad news, they can still review you whether you have a page or not. But now you have no idea that they've done so, right? And you have no ability to respond. So for Google, you you really have to claim your Google My Business page. Facebook, you have to either, Facebook's the only platform you can turn reviews on or off. I would encourage you to turn them on because I'd rather they leave a Facebook review than a Google review, right? Um, and Yelp, same thing, if you haven't claimed that page, you will never know that someone has left you a bad review, and now you've given them the power to, to dictate the conversation about your practice online. Um, If you claim your Yelp for business page, you can respond to reviews. You can get some of the tools that will help you get more reviews. You can put your own pictures up, things like that. Otherwise, it's just the bad pictures or the bad reviews that they've left. And that's what everybody's going to see. So I know it's nobody's idea of fun, but all of those platforms take 30 minutes to set up. And I, I like to call them the like, set it and forget it. You set them up. And you make sure that you're getting notifications, email. Don't sign up for the text or push ones because you'll be annoyed. But if you, then you just get an email. Somebody leaves you a review. Great. Okay. That's all you need to worry about. And you're not going to get them every day. So it's not a ton of stuff. But at least now you take control of the conversation.
0: Decor Veterinary Products is proud to sponsor Echo Management's The Business of Practice podcast. Decker's equine product line includes Osphos clopidine injection, OrthoCon Vet Irep 10 and 60, OsteoCon PRP, Equidome Gel, Domperidone, the Vetivex line of parenteral fluids, ViCox EQ Joint Supplement, and a comprehensive line of topical dermatologic products. The recent addition of Zymeta, diaperone injection, further expands Decker's equine offerings. For more information about DECRA's products, please visit DECRA-US.com. And that's that's a great point. Just just because you don't see it doesn't mean a lot of other people didn't. So I, it's one of those I'd, I'd rather know about it and be able to address it right. than not even know that it's going on out there behind my back.
1: Right, so, right. And, you know, I, I work with a lot of people when they, they get a bad review and if they haven't claimed those pages, it takes a few days right to do that and if you are like well crap i, I want to respond to this or i want to address it i want to defend what happened or i want to you know report it you can't do any of those things if you haven't claimed those accounts and that takes some time so i would encourage you just be proactive about it
0: and it also if the way i've heard it termed is if let's say let's say facebook and somebody gets on there and says Dr. Smith's uh, came out to the farm and I saw their tech kick my cat. Right. You know, well, you go talk to your tech and the tech says, I didn't kick the cat. I stumbled over the cat and I love cats. And so this gives you a place in public to go back and say, we are so sorry you thought that happened. Susie Q loved cats. She stumbled over the cat because it was trying to curl around her legs because it's such a friendly, beautiful cat. And right. <laughs> how do you diffuse the, oh, this, these people don't hate cats.
1: Right. Right. Cause yeah, if you don't respond to it, then they're like, oh, they got called out on that one. Right. <laughs> like, so much better to do that and and take control of that situation for sure.
0: Okay, so let's let's talk about the positive things that you can do with your social media, because you're reaching people that may or may not be your clients. You hope they all become your clients. Right. But so what sort of news or announcements or how do you how do you use your social media to tell people about something that's going on in your practice? Yeah.
1: So. I think you know probably harped on having photos and videos quite a bit right so that's that's something that will really resonate with people um, regardless of where they're at but especially facebook and instagram they give you tools as business owners so if you have business level accounts there's there's some things you can do number one you can even at a free level right just start tagging your practice tagging your community on Instagram using hashtags that are people, that people in your area are following. A lot of people that use Instagram, for instance, they they wanna see what, they'll look at the community hashtag, right? Like what's what's happening in this area? Um, or they look at photos near them. So that's a, a good way, if you're tagging those photos ap- appropriately, that you're gonna be able to reach those people. Facebook, you can do the same thing. You can obviously tag your location, but more importantly, you can for really very minimal money you can start targeting people in your area so you know it doesn't make sense a lot of people are like oh i want to have thousands and thousands of page followers well if if you're in wyoming it doesn't really matter if somebody in missouri is following you they're unlikely to be a client right if your goal is business growth then you want to really only market to that hyper local community right so it depends on your range like how far you how far do you go out for calls if you're going 50 100 miles out that's your range right so you can actually for a dollar a day start boosting your posts and targeting The people in your area and not just people in your area, the people in your area with horses, the people in your area who also happen to like, you know, uh, very common, similar um, groups that you're all following, like thehorse.com or, you know, those kind of things. So you're able to target people that are your clients or potentially your clients, right? And that's what I love about, you know, Facebook and Instagram advertising it starts at a dollar and it gives you that targeting ability. You know, I, I'll give the example for, again, I'm not an equine vet, but as a small animal vet in an urban area, you guys will laugh. I target people three miles within that live within three miles of my practice. You guys have a much bigger (laughs) area and that's okay. Uh, But I target people three miles that uh, within my practice address I target women because the economic data tells us that women are more likely to call and make the appointment. I target people who are ages 26 to 59 because that means they probably have a job and they can pay the bill, right? And they're probably open to considering a new vet if they're not already, uh, you know, established out of practice, right? And I target people who like dogs and cats, right? Because those are my people right specifically i'll even sometimes try to target the people who have liked the bark box page because if you're a, if you're you've got a border collie if you're getting a, a bark box you really love the that your dog and you're willing to spend extra money on them those are my people right so a, a similar theory can be applied to an equine bet. your your areas are going to be larger your interests are going to be different you might not have the women versus men demographic issue, but you can target not only the people in your area, not only the people in your area with horses, but the people in your area with horses that you want to be your clients. That's worth it and a dollar a day. And let's say you spend I wouldn't st- I would probably start with five dollars a day but <laughs> if you're spending that and it doesn't work, you can turn it off, right? And that's the beauty of it. Like compared to the days of advertising in the yellow pages, when you just give them $4,000 and hope that it works, right? (laughs) Like you can actually take way more control over your advertising budget. So that's my soapbox on that. But I feel like there's a way to get the information you want in front of the people that you want as clients, which is sometimes better than just any client, right? (laughs)
0: So when when you say getting information out, so you're talking to a, a new associate, a new service, a new piece of equipment, a new whatever. I mean, what what would you focus on? Oh, all of it.
1: So, <laughs> and honestly, I would. I would try to be very varied, right? So. You and I talked earlier when people listen, some people prefer to listen to podcasts versus reading an article. Some people prefer to watch a video compared to listening or reading, right? Everyone's a little bit different, right? So same thing for a client. Some of them may have a particular interest in caring for their senior horse. Some of them might be into rodeo. Some of them might be into, they have a new foal. Some of them might be into trail ride. Some of them might be into preventative stuff some of them might have a pasture ornament and they just like pretty pictures those are all things that you can tackle right um as when you're thinking about your strategy but you also have to go back to that original like why are we doing it if your goal of doing it is to increase utilization of your ultrasound services or to increase utilization of your haul in versus Farm calls, those are the things that you need to focus on. How can we show this? How can we show it? How can we write about it? How can we tell about it? Right. So think about that, whatever that goal is, and think about all the different ways that you could convey that message and try to get out there in a couple different ways. It doesn't mean every day, it means maybe one week you have a couple blogs or written posts right? Maybe the next week you have a video about your Holland service. Maybe the next week you have photos of your team. Maybe the next week you, you know, at the service, right. Or that kind of thing. So I think you have to know your why you have to think about trying to get it out there in a couple different ways, at least, but then that can really help you form a strategy overall and help you get your, get your goals across.
0: What? You and I, you had mentioned something before we started recording the podcast, and I, I wrote this down because I thought it was so brilliant, especially practices that bring in a new associate. And you've had Dr. Smith doing your horses for 10, 20, whatever years, and suddenly you've got Mrs., you know, Dr. Jones, and it's a woman, right. and she's right. young, but you can short circuit the time to get to know that new vet yeah, and get them accepted. So how do you, how would you do that? Yeah. So I, I would,
1: I would start as soon before they come even, right. I would start before they come. I would do, and a lot of them hate this part, but I, I would get them on video as much as I can, because I think half the time, you know, and I went through this growing up in, in a large animal community. Oh, what's this girl doing here? Right. Like they, they, they don't, you know, I get it. Right. But if you've got some of those, uh, those people that you have to overcome those barriers with, well, guess what they'll take them. If it's, they're the only option and it's midnight and their animal needs some care, right? Like, and it doesn't have to be just like that, but we want to, we want to speed that process up. They trust you when you come out and do a good job, right? But we want to bypass that. We want to get them to that trust before that emergency call when they had to take you, right? (laughs) Like we want them to know, like, and trust you as a vet before, you have to come out, right? And the only way they're going to form those bonds, especially in the era of COVID, when we're not socializing in our communities as much, is to get out on video. Um, So I think sometimes it helps to know their background. What's their, you know, I I would do like five things you didn't know about Dr. Smith, like introducing Dr. Smith, tell us where you came from, what your interests are, where you went to school, what horses you own, uh, you know, what's your favorite thing to do with your horses, show pictures of that vet with their horses or as a, even as a child showing that, like, that's one of my favorite poses. Um, and this could be for any, any kind of vet, but showing the first picture that you have as a veterinary professional with an animal. That always does so well. And that demonstrates a lifelong Commitment to caring for animals. That's a that's a trust builder right there. Plus, it's cute, right? It's um, so even it's even better if you have a couple of them. And you're like trying to guess <laughs> guess which vet is which, you know. But um, you know, getting getting over those hurdles of letting them hear you speak and speak that you their language right and that you know what you're talking about. You've got experience doing it. Sometimes you may not have tons and tons of experience, but at least getting some of it out there will help also doing videos or photos with the trusted vet that's been doing it for 20 years so they're basically endorsing this person right that goes a long way to really kind of helping people understand well if doc smith says it's fine then it'll be fine right so i think you know video really helps that faster but photos can can do that too so just trying to get that out. I, I've worked with some practices. They've even started doing videos before the associate has even joined the practice because they want to hit the ground running. Once they're there and working with a patient, having them explain, okay, this is what we did. This is what we're doing. This is the, the you know prognosis. This is a treatment plan. Showing them that they're not just like, well, I'm a baby vet, I don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) right? We don't want that, right? But we want them to demonstrate if you can visually show their competence, and I'm sure it's beyond competent, that can just go leaps and bounds and getting that content out there on social will be very helpful, but don't just do social, right? Get it on the website, send an email, get it out there.
0: And something else we were talking about that that we have to include, and we'll, we'll probably wrap with this, But I love the fact that you said veterinarians can use social media to get clients to behave the way they want them to. How do you want to communicate? Setting boundaries. I mean, that is a big deal. How do you do that?
1: This is one of the reasons that I, I love social media so much. And, you know, as an individual not as a vet and not as a social media expert you know i don't i don't use social media that much right um, personally because it can really wreak havoc on some of your work-life balance things but i love that social media does have some tools that can help us get to a better work-life balance and so one of the ones i think you and i kind of briefly touched on is facebook messenger i have a, a large animal. Um, vet that is a client of mine, and she was just she was telling us that it, it's constant. They they have the clients have her phone number, and it's constantly just you know, and it's a text about this. And so you know, if she's on call, that's fine. But the problem is you can't set on call hours on your phone. <laughs> very easily right once they have your number they don't care whose whose night it is right um, and they don't care when they think about it because they've given the last dose of medication at 11 p.m they're worried they're not going to remember at business hours the next morning to call and ask for more or call and schedule that appointment or hey can you stop by when you're out at this farm next time like that kind of thing and so what she did was we made a big push to get her clients to communicate through Facebook Messenger, so that's the messaging app. Um, Instagram has one similarly, but the the cool thing about some of the business tools within Facebook, if you have a Facebook Messenger associated with a business page, you can set up away hours. You can so you're not going to get the notice. You can set up automatic replies. So if you're answering the same question on repeat. <laughs> Go ahead, that's fine because the bot will do it for you, right? Or you can even set up keywords. So, if somebody typed in, hey, can you, um, I need to make an appointment. That would automatically result back in, sure, no problem. Here's our online booking, or here's send an email to this email address, or even just leave it here and we will respond to you within 24 business hours or whatever. You can customize it however you want. But sitting down with that Facebook Messenger tool, spend an hour, and set up those automatic replies, that can save so much time. And getting your clients to communicate that way. Um, so it, t- it took a while, right? It took a few months. And we we did a big push. So we did not just social media we did emails we did calls we did letter hey if you want to get a hold of us this is the best way to do it because for them they didn't really function at at a home office right so they're all managing everything from their phones but she needed to be able to turn that phone off um so i think that's one example of getting them to do the behaviors that they want the other ones you know from a, a small animal perspective it's more common to book online right why are people calling to book an appointment if you can do it in a fraction of the time online and they can see all the options, right? So just using your call, call to action buttons and including those links on your social media can drive them to do that. Most vets right now uh, are overwhelmed by phone calls in general, but if you go to the Facebook page of most vets, that big blue button under the, under the photo is call now. That's probably not what you want them to do. Maybe you want them to send a message or send an email or visit this website to book this or request a refill or whatever. You can take charge of that by changing that to the behavior you want them to take. Same thing on Instagram and your website and even your email down to your email signature, even down to automated replies. I think those are just not utilized enough and can really help us be more efficient and intentful. But bottom line, let's not have our phones ring at 10 o'clock at night when we're not on call.
0: (laughs) And I think on that lovely note that every veterinarian can respect and say, (laughs) give you an amen on, we're going to thank you, Dr. Dwyle, for joining us today. And we want to thank all of you for joining us for the Business and Practice podcast. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Decra Veterinary Products. We invite you to visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, to hear every episode of The Business of Practice. If you've missed any, you can go back and catch up. If you have any questions or suggestions, send me an email to Brown at equinenetwork.com. The Business of Practice podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC.